Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. All right. This weekend marks the premiere of Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, which is the latest film for arguably one of the funniest people in my lifetime, SNL star turn comedy icon Mr. Will Ferrell. So this episode will not only have a non-spoiler discussion about his new film, but I have also brought on two tremendous guests to do their top five Will Ferrell movies and speak on his career as a whole. I'm pleased to welcome back the host of Media Mosh, Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Glad to be here. And critic from the film blog, arguing with myself, Mr. Chris Fordell. How are you, sir? Good and you. I am tremendous. Thank you guys for coming back. Obviously, we had so much fun with the uh, Asian action film face-off that we did a few weeks back. That was cool. And I know, you know, from being a a chronic Letterboxd user that... (laughs) I I was noticing when I was kind of doing the rewatch of uh, the Will Ferrell movies, you know, trying to get ready for this episode, I saw your little icons pop up more often than not. So it seems like you guys uh, are Will Ferrell fans, uh, you know, have seen a lot of the catalog, whether that means you're fans or whether you like to torture yourself. Either way, you guys are well versed uh, in the filmography and the career of Will Ferrell. So I'm glad you guys are here to have this discussion with me. Chris, we'll start with you. The career of Will Ferrell is different to everybody, but I think most people can say that he is one of the comedy icons, one of the comedy legends in the last, you know, 25 years uh, Mm -hmm. for as long as kind of his career has been going on. What are your general impressions about his career? And what does he mean to you as like a comedy fan and film fan? Uh, Yeah, from the start on SNL, like he was, he was definitely a standout. He was, he was that like, Oh, what is he, what's the next thing he's going to do? And, uh, then he pops out with these movies and, uh, you know, from night of the Roxbury on is just like, he has this presence, you know, what he's going to bring to the table for the most part. Um, but he is, uh, he's funny without even speaking. He's, he's just, got that look he's got that demeanor and no matter what he has coming up you gotta tell yourself i gotta at least check it out you know you you may have fallen off as a fan uh you may not like everything that he does but you always have to see what he's gonna bring to the table yeah, he's a time bomb who uh, always ends up taking these huge swings. And I think that's what really, you know, kind of makes me admire him, at least as, as a comedic voice that, you know, he just tries anything. He doesn't care what he looks like uh, to other people or what people think of him. He definitely uh, has this kind of this presence as you were kind of alluding to, I mean, Conan O'Brien basically said he has like dead eyes, these shark eyes oh, yeah. uh, that like, just you can, he could just look at you and just go crazy. And, and he's a firecracker. Like anytime he's on screen for anything, especially if it's a live thing, ever since SNL, 
you know something weird and hilarious is going to yeah. happen. Like, whether it be the Oscars performances, the late night TV show stuff, SNL, obviously, anything that's live, and especially if he's with someone like Amy Poehler or Chris Wig or somebody where he could play off of, you know it's going to be oh, insane. Yeah. Shane, uh, what do you feel about Will Ferrell? Like, w- what do you admire about him the most, and what do you like about his films, and why do you return to them so much? Well, I echo just about all your comments. So, like, you took a lot of the wind out of my own sails. <laughs> but I, I just like the the absurdity that he has in his movies. He's just like an absurd, like, like Anchorman to me was like over-the-top absurdity humor, and I really like that. I like how, like you said, he just doesn't care. He's a real comedian. He puts himself out there. And I like the fact that he helps uh, the community of other comedians, like with um, uh, Laugh or Die. What's that? Uh, Funny or Die. Funny or Die. Yeah. I just yeah. like he, how he gives platforms for other Funny comedians. Funny or Die. Yeah. And he gives a lending hand. I just like his presence on screen. I think he has that it factor. Like Chris said, not all his movies hit. But they're watchable to me. At least the majority of them are. Right. But I think sometimes there are several actors that I kind of clump him up with that get over time. I don't want to say a bad reputation, but they're like, okay, he does the same shtick all the time. And that's right. him, Adam Sandler, Vince Vaughn, and now it's becoming Ryan Reynolds. We're like, oh, they just do the same stuff. To me, that's okay. If it's funny, it's funny. If it's sure. working, it's working. And it works for me most of the time. So I just appreciate just his honesty, he, his realism, and just his over-the-top absurdity with his humor. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to bring up the Adam Sandler thing to you guys as we talk about his career kind of as a whole. Uh, because, you know, inevitably, you know, especially com- comedian, these big comedy stars, they have these tremendous falls once they become these huge stars. Because it's, you know, like anything else, it's not sustainable. You can't have this prolonged you know, amazing film after film after film. And, you know, but Sandler for sure has now become kind of a a parody in in itself. And what's funny is if you watch like, uh, you know, uh, the Judd Apatow film, Funny People, like they do trailers of films that his characters and, and they kind of end up almost being like movies that Adam Sandler ends up making like these really dumb, uh, you know, awful you know like he's i think a baby in one of them like uh, just the weird weird dumb shit that he'll end up doing with you know happy madison even by an extension uh like a lot of the happy madison stuff that other people have done for him under the production company like a david spade movie or uh you know any of his other friends that he kind of does you know the kevin jameses or anybody else rob schneider uh so you know you have those as well but and will ferrell kind of went in the same direction in a sense uh, where, you know, he does the Gary Sanchez label production stuff after he becomes big. Him and uh, Adam McKay put that together uh, right as Anchorman uh, happened. I believe that might have been the first one under that label or right after. And, you know, so he kind of becomes this big entity makes these huge films that build his career. And then, you know, in the last 10 years or so, you could debate, you know, where his career is going from now. And that kind of gets us to the film coming out this weekend, Eurovision uh, Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. 
Um, from you guys, Shane, we'll start with you. So <laughs> the marketing for this film, and Netflix always has a, an interesting marketing build with most of their films. You usually get maybe a trailer a few weeks out at most. Um, and you don't really get this huge ramp up to it. But this one, they actually kind of, you know, had a few months ahead of time, drop the music video for Volcano Man, uh, one of the Fire Saga songs. And you kind of get this taste for what the film is going to be like. When you saw that or when you saw the trailer that came out after, what was your general impressions of the film? And what did you hope for uh, when you're actually going to watch this film? Ooh, uh, boy. Okay, here we go. Uh, when I saw the tra- when I saw the trailer, I was taken uh, off guard for for the first couple seconds there because I didn't know what the heck was going on with this trailer. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then as I watched, I'm like, okay, this is a music video. And then and I found out it was going to be a movie. I-, I had mixed feelings at best. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to play over the course. You know, anything over like four minutes or so right like it almost took me out of it and it was one of the will ferrell projects where i'm like maybe this one's not for me right with my initial thoughts like i don't know if i could do this one okay i mean because uh to me you know it's a it's you know a film that it's inherent in the title they're going to try to go uh be in this competition that means a lot to them the eurovision song contest and you know he has done movies in the past that have been, you know, kind of these taking uh, either a contest or a sport or some kind of larger concept of something and try to just find the humor within it and create a story within it. I mean, obviously, the a prime example would be, say, Blades of Glory, you know, or Talladega Nights, where they're taking a certain sport. And kind of just trying to see what the what the funny is in that, what kind of characters that you can create from the the people who are in these type of competitions, uh, and even Anchorman. I mean, is you know it's local news. It's trying to take down a whole a whole thought process with how they do their productions or the thoughts of mm-hmm. what people think about local anchors and that type of personality and flushing out all these characters and. You know, I thought this would be kind of at least on that ilk. And for anyone who's ever seen the Eurovision Song Contest or any clips or anything, it is wild to watch. It is a pageantry onto itself. It's uh, you know mostly Euro pop song, so it's not really my wheelhouse in terms of the music type. But you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> occasionally i'll dip in um you know mostly the nordic tracks uh but the you know but apparently will ferrell uh got enamored with it his wife is swedish her family uh really gets into watching it every year and you know it's it's it looks ripe for for something like this and to me i immediately thought you know i hope it's kind of like the will ferrell version like if you matched up one of his previous competition movies and then mashed it up with kind of like a best in show, kind of like trying to rip apart uh, a competition and, you know, turn it on its head, you know, kind of find the humor within it. And I don't know if you guys have seen uh, who's in the cast outside of the trailer or anything. Chris, have you seen uh, who's in this? Did anything pop out at you for, for this movie as well? 
I can only remember uh, Rachel McAdams. And I was like, why would she do? Oh, yeah, Wedding Crashers. Right. <laughs> they did that briefly. Yeah, I mean, uh, Wedding um, Crashers, they did together. They never had any scenes together because, uh, you know, Farrell's only a small cameo, a very yeah, rem- yeah. memorable cameo uh, as something. Uh, he's like a major gif, uh, you know, or a meme for anything with that. You know, but, yeah. or, you know, it's extremely quotable with, Ma, the meatloaf! You know, like all yeah. that. And, what is she know, doing in there? Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Like the funeral crasher stuff. They even wanted, they thought about making, uh, you know, a, another movie off of funeral crashers <laughs> for a while there. I uh, thank God that never happened. That would have been fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, no, no. But the director of Wedding Crashers is the same director for this movie. It's David Dobkin. Um, yeah. And he's also had some other comedy uh, hits. I'll say Uh, like (laughs) Fred Claus uh, made a little noise as far as like Christmas movies go. You know, I've never seen it. I had no interest. Uh, You know, the missus likes it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's it's, for some people, that's like a traditional Christmas movie that they like to watch every year. Uh, He started with making like clay pigeons, which is a pretty good match. Or excuse me, Vince Vaughn film. Uh, Shane's giving the thumbs up with that one too. Uh, so forgotten cinema. Yeah, yep. that was just yeah, on, that was his choice. Friends, yeah. Oh, that was your choice. Yeah, it was oh, my excellent. choice. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I know they did that episode recently, so that's pretty cool. And the other thing about David Dobkin is that he's also a former music video director. So you would think the combination of knowing Will Ferrell's career, you know, uh, being a part of that, being a part of a movie where Rachel McAdams is in there as well, knowing what to get out of her. Plus having the music video stuff with all the music video, you know, the music pageantry that this competition goes on, you figure perfect, perfect combination. Uh, Will Ferrell is obviously uh, a writer on this film alongside Andrew Steele, who was an SNL writer for 20 years. He also uh, wrote a few of the films that Will Ferrell was in as well. Uh, he was a writer on Casa de Mi Padre, which I had just watched for the first time recently, uh, which I actually enjoyed. Uh, I, I didn't love it. Uh, I knew what it was doing, and I I bought in. I bought in. I was like, this is like Teledomela. You're going to you know. have to explain that one to me. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there is. That's the thing with some of these Will Ferrell big swings. It's either you buy in, you're into the weirdness or whatever, and go from there, or you're like, yeah. "Why am I here?" And <laughs> it's you know, Sandler is now too different. And I'm glad you brought that up, Shane. But yeah, so he wrote uh, <laughs> Casa de Mi Padre, <laughs> Ladies Man, and the uh, the Lifetime original movie, A Deadly Adoption, which is another huge swing right? uh, with Kristen Wiig. Uh, where they, they basically just played it straight, but basically thinking, you know, but using these themes from the, the Lifetime. Yeah, film. all the tropes. Yeah, all the tropes and just trying to just make it funny by saying, isn't this ridiculous? Um, so that that's interesting. Uh, another thing of note uh, that is bizarre uh, in retrospect, this movie is also executive produced by Adam McKay, 
um, which obviously, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we just explained, you know, he's the, the Gary Sanchez productions. He's the director of a lot of the big films from Will Ferrell's career. But what's interesting is that back in September, I believe, I read an article that said they're breaking up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Gary San- Sanchez is going to be no more after their initial commitments, I guess, or at least it'll go in a different direction, split off something to where they're both, you know, not going to work together anymore in that capacity. Um, but this is one of the last films that they had on their slate. This is part of a, I believe, a three picture deal they had with Paramount um, that this was, I believe, one of the last two uh, for that one. So, you know, uh, a lot of people who have been in and around Will Ferrell's career all within this movie, um, even the cinematographer did uh, one of his last movies, Downhill, uh, which came out earlier this year. Uh, from Sundance, Chris is giving the thumbs down uh, for that one. It got uh, really bad reviews. Um, some people don't think it's warranted, but apparently you are not uh, in that camp. Uh, I have, I, I am yet to see it, but um, it, so- it, there's really it's it's such it, it's a drama. It's it, there's like there's nothing going for it. Uh, I I feel bad for those who never saw the. Uh, uh, original French film, yeah, that Force it's based Majeure. off of, yeah, um, yeah but uh, I, I don't know if that's good or not. I'm not going to seek it out. So okay, <laughs> fair enough. No, sorry, no, you're good. Uh, so you know, like I said, a lot of people all surrounding his life, you know, and his career up to this point. And I will say, as a person who now has watched Eurovision Song Contest two times now. Um, it did not get better on second watch. Uh, the first watch was passable. Uh, I did laugh at some points. My, my main thing with this movie is that it's not funny enough. Like for, for how much I, I, and again, my expectations, I said kind of plainly that I was hoping that this movie would be, you know, Will Ferrell's best in show kind of a thing uh it was not and simply uh i wished for more humor there's not enough of it they play it way straighter than i would have thought uh between the contest stuff is not even crazy enough like you would think uh, the pageantry stuff that they could just do that on 11 you know just go crazy with it you know between the costumes or the set design or the songs themselves make the songs funny none of the songs are funny um, and even for how much I enjoyed Volcano Man, guess what? Volcano Man is the first minute and a half of the movie, and it's not even their song going forward. It does has nothing to do. Like, you wow. seeing that video is as much as what it means to the rest of the film. So, uh, and, the, and the songs that they do sing are not kind of bizarre and big like Volcano Man. So it kind of doesn't match the rest of the tempo of the film after it is the first thing you see when this film starts. So I didn't understand why they didn't go for broke on this one. Uh, It's also kind of long. It's like an hour and 52 hours, like depending on (laughs) how you do that. Um, 
Uh, so I didn't understand that. Uh, a shining example of like something that they did where you're like, oh, this is this is going to be funny or this should have been more similar maybe to like a best in show type and it doesn't work. The the announcer for the contest, uh, the televised contest is Graham Norton. Graham Norton's like, a, you know, he has his own TV show. He's a big personality sure. over in uh, in England and Europe. And, you know, you would have thought, okay, cool. A good guy to have for for that type of performance. Uh, maybe he could be that kind of Fred Willard type or, you know, try to, you know, exact that to this competition. And yet um, he is also played straight by Graham Norton. There's literally no funny lines. It is simply just on its face exactly what an announcer would do with this type of competition. So that makes no sense. Um, You know, and like I said, he takes on these bigger concepts. He tries to find the funny in all these other ones with previous films, and it just doesn't work here. I mean, it has a few funny moments, uh, but the movie overall barely has a pulse. Uh, I felt like I was sleepwalking through most of it, especially on rewatch. You know, when some of the stuff that maybe was funny would have been, you know, funny again on rewatch. I, I laughed less. Like, it doesn't have great rewatch value. Um, I would say the best thing uh, in this film is Dan Stevens. I don't know if you guys are fans of Dan oh, Stevens. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love Legion. Legion is oh, such a cool so show. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Chris is really big into Downton Abbey. So, you know, we'll throw that oh, out there. The best. <laughs> the guest on Netflix right now. Yeah. yeah. That made a comeback. Yeah. Because that was years ago. I yeah, it's back that. on now. It's an awesome movie to watch. Very yeah. good. Yeah. So he obviously has a kind of a burgeoning <laughs> career. I mean, to me, Legion was where I first really discovered him. But, you know, uh, and but Apostle was a very good Netflix original that we, we covered on this uh, show as well. And so to me, he has a presence and he has such a great look. And as far as the characters of the Eurovision Song Contest, he's the only one they give kind of like a large showmanship to. He plays a Russian character. He's in the accent, in the character the whole time, uh, you know, and he, you know, has these, you know, all male uh, dancers that are like half naked running around. He has these exotic, almost animalistic songs that he does. Um, and it's it, pretty incredible to watch for that. But, you know, he's good. He's very good. But even then, I thought they could have done even more with him. Uh, Milisanti Mahout. Mahout? Uh, I oh, don't know I love how to his pronounce. work. Yeah. <laughs> She is a a woman, oh. and uh, yeah, she plays Mita in this film. Uh, so once you watch it, obviously you'll know who I'm talking about. But uh, she she's very good too as another one of the performers in there. Uh, but yeah, mostly bored for a Will Ferrell movie. It's a wasted quality concept. I thought the concept was really good. Uh, I had more laughs in the five minutes of Wayne Campbell talking to Drew Barrymore's character in Wayne's World 2 like, <laughs> than all of this movie. Oh, like, I know it's Iceland for this movie and it's, you know, Sweden for, for 
you know the Drew Barrymore character, but kind of like the same thing. I want Fjorgen Fjords jokes. <laughs> I want you know I wanted kind of like a de- if you're gonna make jo- be in a small town of Iceland, you know, kind of show the small town charm and then kind of be like fish out of water into the mainstream with going to, I believe the competition is in Edinburgh when they do it. So it's like you're going to big city, big competition over your head you know, the big lights, big stars kind of a thing. They don't do it well. They just don't put the the pedal to the metal. They don't make it exotic enough. Um, And it's just simply not funny enough. So obviously when you guys watch, I'll be interested to know your opinion, but I kind of want to get into, uh, we are going to do a top five on this because to me, I think it speaks to a larger thing about Farrell's career. So, uh, I asked you guys to send me your top fives. We also put it out on Twitter for uh, you know other people to put out their top fives, and I I wanted to put that all together just to kind of see you know what movies were going to be brought up, and because mm-hmm. uh, to me in my brain and it, it kind of spoke for itself once we got the votes together that there's like tears of Will Ferrell. Um, and you know, was something that I noticed from once I put all the Twitter votes plus our top fives together, they have some real themes in here. So I want you guys to give your top fives cause you did the hard work of actually <laughs> putting them together. And then I'll show you kind of like what I see and I'll, I'll say my top five as well. We could just run through them cause I think they really speak to what his career means to a lot of people. So Chris, you can go first. Uh, I, I gotta say, and, and I even vocalized to you, Andrew, um, I had difficulty with this one, uh, only because I figured everyone was going to basically have the same answers and kind of Twitter was giving me that indication. Right. Uh, but overall I was like, how do I make mine unique? I, <laughs> I really couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, I was going to do a, a bottom five, you know, just to offset everything. But uh, I well, we uh, can talk about that if you have one. No, no, I, I didn't. I, I kind of scrapped the idea. But what we were talking about before is like there's certain there's certain things that Will Ferrell will will go for and and produce. And like you said, he'll he'll swing for the fences. Yeah. Um, on some of the stuff and a deadly adoption, as you said before, <laughs> the Lifetime movie and Casa de Mi Padre, uh, those two films feel like uh, Andy Kaufman esque, where Will Ferrell, I, it, when I see stuff like that, I'm just like, I don't get it. Is, is he pulling an Andy Kaufman? Should I be laughing? I don't know. It felt uh, like so I get angry. Like an SNL skit that like you know they based it off of and then they tried to right. do too much or something but well, I, that's I, like what i, I said, looked at eurovision i got to say just just before we get into your top 5 yeah casa de mi padre is in retrospect the biggest swing i've ever seen in my life a right? uh, we were talking about it kind of uh, i what was it the other night uh, when i was watching yeah. it, that i was just like okay so the movie starts with a Christina Aguilera theme song, like it's a goddamn Bond movie. <laughs> like it's a classic Western that like, oh, of course, we're bringing back this big character. <laughs> like oh, it's God. this huge thing. And 
you know, this, I believe Casa de Mi Padre is like 2012 and, tw- yeah. <laughs> um, and something like you know, that. 2012. I mean, he's just coming out of, you know, one of the like 2010 was one of the biggest years he's ever had and then two years later he's doing that yeah. it is wild how much he was just like you know what it's, i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want and he did and it shows um you know so go ahead with your top yeah. five and we can kind of break it down later so so i'm doing fully or just what number five is just roll through. Nope. Roll, roll through. through. Okay. Uh, number five is Talladega Nights. Number four is Elf. Mm-hmm. Classic. You can watch that anytime a year. The other guys is number three. Yeah. Uh, Step Brothers is number two. And Anchorman is number one. Yep. Now, you're right. Uh, obviously, when we, when we went on Twitter, we saw a lot of those movies pop up. Uh, but Shane, go go ahead and go through with your top five or maybe the process that you went through as well because Chris seemed to be torn, at least at the start. So where did you stand? Yeah, I was torn initially. My, my top three was already locked in cement. <laughs> so my top three was good to go. I had eight movies to choose from to put into my top five. Okay. Uh, and ultimately, ultimately, I you know the honorable mentions for me was the campaign in 2012. I enjoyed that film with Zach Galifianakis. I, I enjoyed that. Old school fell in there, and the Lego Movie fell in there as well. Yeah. See, you were one of the the people that actually uh, dipped into his animated voice career, like right. the voice talent career. Right. I have uh, a mega mind in. Uh, in my honorable mentions. And I'm sure we'll get into maybe, cause I wrote down his bottom five, my guilty pleasure, Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> I went all over the place with this. Wow. Okay. Well, um, so my guilty pleasure, just before I get my top five is the land of the lost. I, I know okay. that movie gets destroyed, it but does. it's him and Danny McBride. And I like that combination. And I, I don't know if it's McBride that kind of made me enjoy that movie. But right. I, I grew up on Land of the Lost. I, I love that show. And it was enjoyable for me. So it's one of those movies I could flip on a Saturday afternoon and just have on in the background while it's going out. So It um, does have that for some people. But to me, if I'm going to dial up Danny McBride and Will Ferrell, I'm rewatching Eastbound and Down all fucking day for those. If, if That's the one thing about Will Ferrell and his career he's done everything like he his guest appearances if we if because i know we'll get to it because i think yours has um a lot of people put the movies that have him on like in the most like he's the star quote unquote but the movies where he's not exactly the star where he's kind of like a character um something old school yeah, well, old school is a yeah. version of that. Zoolander is a version of that. Um, yeah. You know, where he can, a ladies' man. I fucking love his character in Ladies' oh, yeah. Man. Like, he's just obsessed with the Greco Greasing himself up. Just greasing himself, yeah. trying to fight everybody. Yeah. It's so That's, fucking oh. funny. It, he's funnier than everything else in that film. But, like, if I were to rewatch it, I'm literally just watching it for him. Not that I don't love uh, Tim Meadows as the ladies' man, there, but mostly it'd be about rewatching Will Ferrell. So some people put in their top fives movies like that. And I, I kind of went with my list, uh, which I guess I didn't share with you guys. This will be kind of fun. Uh, no, not. Son of a... 
I know you got to save some for the pod. Come on, buddy. Um, uh, but you know, a lot of people went with some of those and I found that interesting too. So go ahead, uh, with the rest of your list. I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. So, uh, it's funny you mentioned Eastbound and Down because that's my favorite Will Ferrell cameo outside of Ladies Man. Yeah. But since that's a series, that's hard to kind of like just rewatch. But anyway, yeah. uh, my top five, and we'll get into the bottom five later when, if you want, but my top five, number five is Megamind, like Chris alluded to. Right. Uh, number four is The Other Guys. Number three is Step Brothers. Number two is Zoolander, which you just pointed out to. Right. Yeah, technically, it's not a Will Ferrell movie, but he is the main antagonist of that movie. Yeah. And he has a lot of memorable, memorable lines. And he's a big part of that movie. So Zoolander to me is number two. And number one is Anchorman. Yeah, Mugatu is one of my favorite Will Ferrell characters. I I, I love Zoolander. I uh, just want to put that out there. It's yeah. not in my top five, but I think I did it mostly because, you know, he's more of a side character. I think right. I have five solid ones where he's more prominent that I was like, okay, I can kind of more honorable mention Zoolander. Um, but I, something about Will Ferrell, and I think maybe it plays into his past on SNL and everything else. He is unbelievable at just kind of showing up, ripping it up and then leaving you wanting more. And so when you look back at his career, do you think that he would be better as not being the star of more stuff that like he'd be better served as kind of more of a, a you know, a lesser character, but like a big time piece of something like that? Or do you like him as kind of the main guy? I think that depends. That's a loaded question because most of his movies, Thank at you. least in my top five, hmm. he's paired with somebody else he could bounce stuff off with. Uh, like Anchorman, he has a great cast to work around. Paul yeah. Rudd, you know all that. Uh, yeah. Zoolander, Step Brothers, he, you know, John Riley is fantastic other guys mark Wahlberg was fine um i'll I'll tell you the biggest will for a movie i was thoroughly disappointed in because as you went to the concept movie right there were a lot of movies i had a great concept and i can't you know on point i can't think but the movie let me down this casting between kevin hart and will ferrell with get hard i thought was just going to be out of this world yeah it was just meh it was okay yeah but to get to your question, I like him paired with somebody else rather than on his own carrying the movie. Yeah, I think he can do both, but I think he definitely works better with an ensemble. Uh, and, you know, obviously, again, it, it plays to the strengths of what he does, starting from SNL and everything else. I think you could see, even early on, Night at the Roxbury, he's playing off Chris Kattan, but for a large part of that movie, he's not with him. Right. They kind of like break up that tandem for a large part of the, the mid part to end of the movie. And it's and just him he, and Molly Shannon. I'm sorry. I was no. going to say, isn't he more like the straight man of the, of the two? He is. Which is sad. Kind of. I don't know. And that's why the movie doesn't work quite frankly for yeah. me. I know some people have like a nostalgic thought on that one that they love watching it. They mm-hmm. thought, I also never thought the sketch was funny. Like it had very little appeal to me. So I guess maybe again, there's two camps with that one, but you know, that's not for me, but so I'm sorry, Shane, I probably cut you off there. (laughs) No, you didn't. I was saying get hard was a movie. I was really looking forward to because I love Kevin Hart. 
Um, I don't care if there's an oversaturation of Kevin Hart movies nowadays. I don't care. (laughs) Well, Uh, there's not many comedic stars right now. He is like, you can make an argument that the rock is one of the biggest comedy movie stars, which is wild to say, uh, because he should be running for president. Instead, he's making, uh, you know... (laughs) Rampage. Rampage, right. (laughs) No, and uh, I thought them two together would be perfect. Yeah. And the script let him down, just the the writing let him down. I just wanted more out of that movie. Sure. I don't know if you wanted my bottom five Will Ferrell movies. You can, because then we can get into that a little bit. Okay, uh, Zoolander 2, obviously, which I know he plays the antagonist again, but still, right, he's got again. Awful. Yep. Right. Daddy's Home 2 was unwatchable. Semi Pro, uh, Bewitched, and Holmes and Watson. And I saw that movie in the goddamn theater. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I forgot that. That I, movie was fucking, I, that movie was wretched. That I like Bewitched, I think, caught me in that same thing because I was working for the movie theater, I believe, at the time. And so I like special screening, stayed up late, did the whole thing, and I couldn't have been more bored. And by the end of the movie, I was just like, What what are we even doing anymore? Like and this was during not, the height of of Will Farrell. I'm not looking, but wasn't that written by Nora Ephron? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. Okay. So I think I that, was like, oh my God. That kind of speaks to what I was going to talk about too, is like, there are certain people I think who get Will Ferrell and, and his movies show in what ends up like the cream rising to the top with who really works well with him. Uh, yeah. So go ahead. Uh, so awesome. Thank you for doing that. Thank you both for, for doing your top fives. So what I saw between your top fives, and I'll run through mine real quick. Um, mine is number five, Stranger Than Fiction, uh, which I think if you want a movie where he's the lead and he has to carry a movie and he yeah. doesn't have as much of an ensemble to work with, but still a great performance, that movie is wildly underrated. Because uh, it's, again, it's not Will Ferrell being this outlandish thing. It's you know more of a you know a dramedy but i think it's tremendous i I was so impressed when that movie came out uh and so that's my number five i remember liking it yeah it's a great concept you know to kind of be like a character in someone's book and playing it through i I actually liked it quite a bit uh step brothers i have at number four uh the other guys at number three too low uh old school at number two and because Frank the Tank is one of the funniest, most quotable things ever created, and Anchorman number one. So, yeah, a lot of you know commonalities between us. You know, maybe you could debate towards the bottom of the list, but the typical ones that go higher, we start to see some of the same ones. And then when I took uh, the pulse from Twitter, you know, occasionally you'd get something you know not in those higher echelon films. Uh, where you everything I know, must go yeah there were well there I were votes that. for like the campaign as you mentioned before shane uh the producers anchorman 2 there was a vote for so things like that but mostly we've all kind of named the the big ones and so here's what i saw none of his snl movie appearances made the list at all he was on snl from 95 to 02 nothing 
uh, of any of those films, like we mentioned, Ladies Man, Night at the Roxbury, Superstar. none of those, Superstar, none of those. Where he was like the, the love interest? Right, which is an odd thought, but, you know, yeah. it's a Molly Shannon movie. A good, and they work well together. I like them together. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that movie is, woo. Yeah, that's, talk about a swing. The sketch movies from that era are not good. Um, so what does stand out is that 03 to 06 is his absolute peak. And it's because he leaves SNL in 02 and then immediately starts working with former SNL writer Adam McKay and starts making the Gary Sanchez films, which I find hilarious uh, as a baseball fan even though i'm wearing all mets gear uh yeah. Sanchez is the yankees <laughs> catcher and they had no idea that he was an actual baseball player they just named the company gary sanchez because they thought it was funny uh and they had no idea so it's hilarious that that happened after the fact so yeah 03 to 06 unassailably is his peak uh just to kind of run down most of the ones during that period anchorman is oh Four old school is oh three, Talladega Nights is oh six, uh, Elf is oh three, Stranger in Fiction is oh six, The Producers is oh five. So you get a lot of his peak all within oh three to oh six, and then twenty ten was kind of like after some middling years. There is kind of like a big breakout. He had three films that all got votes uh, between either us or Twitter. Uh, with Megamind, Everything Must Go, and the other guys all being in the same year. That's huge for as far as him and especially where his career was. But what I will say is that, you know, after 2010, not a lot of votes. Um, so he's had kind of a solid decade where the only thing that got votes after 2010, the other guys, uh, was one vote for Anchorman 2 and one vote for the campaign and that's it. I'm really surprised no one else voted for the Lego movie or he's mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, obviously it's a voice thing so some right. people, they didn't probably know whether uh, to put something that high, especially because he's not, he's a big character, but he's not the main guy, he's not Pratt, he's not uh, I forgot who the female Elizabeth Berkeley. Elizabeth, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not that so, and he plays multiple characters. So I don't know if people just kind of took him out of it. Good. Right. But they, yeah, it's not like his vehicle. So maybe you could say that, but yeah, it kind of really shows that in the last 10 years, not exactly his prime and, and a lot of bad, like you were saying of your, your disappointments or your top five uh, bad films, a lot of those were in the last 10 years. I mean, you know, the Get Hard is in there. Uh, you know, uh, the the sequel to Daddy's Home uh, is really bad in there. I don't know. Like, obviously, some people like the campaign. It's okay. Um, you know, and same, same thing with uh, Casa de Mi Padre. That's in 2012. And, you know, you can, some people just didn't care didn't buy in uh i think anchorman 2 is funny it's yeah, got like a lot it. of funny moments and and i would say that so i think he's way funnier and more prominent in the first one and the second one is way more of an ense- ensemble 
more than the first one. And I think there's a lot of great character work, especially between Corel, like somehow almost goes up a notch, like with his crazy and everything. He, he does the sequel thing in that one. Uh, Kristen Wiig's really good. Um, you know, a lot of some of the smaller appearances, like when they redo the fight sequence stuff, like the, the memory from the first one, there's a lot of good cameos in there too. So not his best, but it might be his best from that decade. Uh, so, so to me going into Eurovision, I was like, should I have had larger expectations for this film or are we getting into the territory of, you know, banking on, you know, a, a hope for past accomplishments, kind of like, uh, what I've done with the Sandler thing. We did a whole episode, uh, with Robert Bacon of the podcast, Adam Sandler, please stop. <laughs> Which, you right. know, you know, a lot of people have that now. A lot of people think, Jesus Christ, stop making these god-awful comedies. And if anything, I love Uncut Gems. I absolutely uh, was gaga for that film. It might have been, it's like a 1A or, you know, 1A, 1B thing with that and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, for me last year as far as my favorite films of yeah. the year. And, you know, so he knows how to act. And so does Farrell. And both of these guys have made their bones in producing films. They've had this huge sweeping career. But, you know, they kind of are in this territory where, you know, are they do they still deserve our love in the same way it used to be? Or do are we doomed to now just kind of keep <laughs> going here? Uh, Shane, what do you think? You know, I'm one of these people who don't learn from my mistakes. Uh, <laughs> so I hold these guys in such high regard, uh, especially Adam Sandler, because he was uh, – Will Ferrell came right after him, but Adam Sandler was right in my high school years. Yeah. And so I love – I don't love everything he does, but I love Adam Sandler. But I can come to appreciate his career. I can come to appreciate where he just does movies where he's having fun. He doesn't care what the critics think. He doesn't care what anyone else thinks. He's putting his friends in movies. And they're just doing them. Yeah. And every time he does one, I hope it's at least watchable, kind of like the do-over with David Spade. Not great, but it was a step in the right direction. Uh, I <laughs> liked his last stand-up. What was that Fresh that he did on uh, Netflix? Yeah, 100%, 100 Fresh. 100% yeah. Fresh. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I that To me, that was old-school Sandler. So, yes, same thing with Will Ferrell. I love Will Ferrell. I would take his career over Sandler's, even though I love Sandler more. Same. Because Will Ferrell has Agreed. more watchable and like bigger hits. Like Anchorman, I wrote down since I've been going to movies, the four movies I laughed out loud hardest in a movie theater ever. One was not in any order, but Naked Gun, Zoolander, Dumb and Dumber, and Anchorman. Yeah. So Anchorman to me is his masterpiece. But every time a Will Ferrell movie comes out, I have expectations. But with Sandler, I don't anymore. It's like the bar is really low. <laughs> if he exceeds that, he's fine. But right. Will Ferrell, I still, I still think he has it in him, but he's just in a state where he's just trying different things. And like you said, you should have high hopes for this movie that you just reviewed because the concept, like you go on concepts of movies and it's a really nice concept. Like, like you said, Best in Show is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Great concept. I, and they, that's how you yeah. do that correctly. So I'm going to watch this recent movie myself and see where I land, but I still hold out the best for, for all these guys, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I, I definitely want to hear your guys' opinion. Uh, sorry for doing this ahead of time. Uh, I was so happy to have Netflix uh, give me early access to the film. Thank you to them for that. I know. Sorry, man. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's something they're good with as far as comedies. Uh, they like sharing them early with some of the critics. So uh, hopefully we can continue to have that relationship uh, with uh, like a little... Uh, production music whatever i'll do that later um but <laughs> you know i don't know what to do with him anymore i i would totally agree with you that sam uh i would take Farrell's career over sandler i think their highs are very close um i think Farrell's more my energy i love comedy that's like high high almost like insane energy <laughs> at times uh if you can pull it together you know even like a, a seething energy like a mugatu uh makes me laugh so goddamn hard uh, you know yeah i probably and ron burgundy's become such a big thing that he even recently started doing the ron burgundy podcast he'll he'll do a oh. this is ron burgundy uh yeah thing it's kind of almost turned into a, a kaufman-esque uh thing where he's taking a character so far that he's going to do it in all these different places uh, and, you know, make it its own thing. But it kind of speaks to what I think about his career in retrospect is him and Adam McKay make the best stuff. And, you know, it starts with Anchorman and, you know, stepbrothers, like those are the one, two for a lot of people, as far as the voting went, uh, if you guys are curious, uh, Anchorman was number one tied with Step Brothers as far as votes. Uh, the other guys uh, came in third, Old School and Talladega Nights tied for fourth. So if you want to talk the Mount Rushmore of, uh, you know, or whatever, the top yeah. five that everybody kind of picked, it was that. And obviously, Elf kind of has a different life being a Christmas movie that people can watch uh, every year for a different reason. And then obviously, like the the different shelf of like Stranger Than Fiction, everything must go. Got more boats than I thought, uh, and Zoolander, of course. So that's kind of like that next tier, and then there's a drop off from there. But you know, mm-hmm. it's it sucks to me, and it hurts me a little bit that I was like, oh, Adam McKay and him are kind of like they're friends, but they don't want to work in that capacity anymore. Like they kind of go in different ways. I mean, and look at, at Adam McKay's ascension. Like he totally deserves whatever he wants to do. I thought the big short was yeah. one of my favorite movies of the decade, last decade, uh, you know, and, and he's continuing kind of like with this political slant, you know, doing vice and things like that. You know, I, I think he could do whatever he wants. He's a great director. He knows how to really get to the comedic heart or, or at least like the real beating heart of a lot of these big time subjects uh, and tries to like, knock down these people a peg and i'm totally for that so chris when you look back now at what you chose and kind of seeing the full landscape what do you mm-hmm. think about Farrell's mm-hmm. career and and you know did you take some of that into your vision did you kind of have any expectations based on that or do you are you bottoming out like some people could be uh given his last decade no i'll still take a chance on him uh part of Part of the thing is, uh, I, I look at it like this. Some comedians just kind of peter out because they're tired of doing the same shtick. Uh, they try and branch out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. 
but you see people like Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is consistently funny. I mean, to a point, you know, because as sure. he's, what, 90-something years old, yeah. uh, he just doesn't he's have done. that bite as he used to. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he stayed pretty consistent with his output uh, throughout his career. He was never like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. It was yeah. all within the comedy field. Yeah. But like certain people like Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell wanted to go into sports commentary. Uh, he wanted to be a, <laughs> a sports writer, right? And yeah. then he just fell into the comedy. Yeah, so, it's funny because he's know, really into the sports. So he's always on like Dan Patrick or any oh, yeah. other shows. He loves kind of like that crossover. I'm surprised he hasn't done. Well, I mean, he did two sports movies. So like whatever. And actually uh, one of his uh, upcoming films is taking on esports. So he's oh, going okay. to try to do that as well. And again, I hope he actually finds more of the humor in that instead of like kind of yeah. what he does here where I think he got too close to this one. Like he actually goes to the contest finales and and I think he got yeah. like maybe an admiration here that didn't fully work. Um, but sorry, yeah. uh, you were saying, I'm sorry. No, no, but I was also going to say like uh, knowing that uh, this is the the last, the last thing him and Adam McKay are, are doing, the, the last project. Right. It sounds to me like uh, sort of like our fra- favorite bands just before they're going to break up or before they're going <laughs> right. to um, uh, get off a, a record label. Right. They say, all right, let's just put out an EP. We, you know, we, we fulfilled our obligations. We're out, you know? Right. And maybe Eurovision was there like, you know, yeah, let's just do this last thing. You know, this is kind of funny or whatever. We don't have to put a hundred percent in it, but you sure. know, we'll shake hands and go our separate ways. But Listen, uh, whatever he wants to do, like I said before, I will, I'll check it out. I won't be like, I like Shane was saying, you know, with, with Adam Sandler, you know, you, you keep the bar low and you won't be disappointed. Sure. With Will Ferrell, the same thing, you know, I'm not going to expect greatness from him. Uh, I hope for it, but I'm not going to expect it. Right. Uh, I hope whatever his future endeavors, I hope they keep on making us laugh. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I don't want this to come off as being, uh, you know, negative towards him or anything. He, I, I started this podcast by saying that he is one of the funniest people in my lifetime. And he continues to be like, if I hear him on a podcast, I'm absolutely turning in because you never know what's going to happen and you know, it's going to be funny. You know, like his stories are great. The stories behind some of the stupid stuff that he does is great to yeah. hear too. Um, you know, uh, I would highly recommend to anyone who hasn't uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast. Uh, Will Ferrell's the first episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, um, and it is a great listen because they tell a story that I think is hilarious. Where he uh, he does a live show for Conan as Ron Burgundy. And he intro- he does yeah. a whole thing about uh, coyotes for like, you know, five, ten minutes that just, you know, uh, <laughs> talking about how people are going to get attacked by coyotes. And then uh, ends up, he has to introduce Jerry Seinfeld after him. And he introduces him as you may have seen him on Arsenio Hall. You might, you know, <laughs> you might have seen him on the reruns of Seinfeld on channel 11. Like he does like just, you know, this like undercut thing that it's perfect 
every time. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, so whether he's funnier in smaller cameo stuff or whether, you know, like, so maybe the big studio films aren't going to be as great. I'm still signed up. And I was geared for this movie, and I was hoping for more. And there are still some funny stuff where it's classic Will Ferrell humor, uh, you know, screaming at people, doing a weird accent, doing the whole thing. So there is that. Yes, Shane. Right. I think he built up a career where you don't think about his misses too much. Like, every comedian is not going to shine bright for 20 years making great movies. It's true. Another comedian that comes to mind is Eddie Murphy. We all love Eddie Murphy. Yeah. But I never think of Pluto Nash. I always think Beverly Hills Cop. Another 48 hours, or 48 hours, another 48 hours. Eddie Murphy's an all-time classic, but every comedian can't have that decades run. So they're gonna have they're gonna have some misses in there. And as long as you're doing it because of like Eddie Murphy, for example, like wants wanted to make movies that his kids could watch, I totally respect that. So yeah. you know, with Dr. Doolittle and that whole run he did there, but I still appreciate the prime Eddie Murphy. I'll always appreciate the prime Will Ferrell. If you're going out there and just doing stuff you want to do, I have no problem. Like to me, uh, he falls in the like the Adam Sandler Vince Vaughn camp where people are just tired of their oh it's another Will Ferrell movie. Well, right. just go, go jerk off somewhere then. Like I, <laughs> I got for you. Like I appreciate a Will Ferrell movie, so they'll always have they'll always have a place in my heart. I, I love those guys. So no, you bring up a good point. I mean, and and this is the thing. I mean, every actor has their prime and their backslide and any of these other things. And everybody has their reasons for things. You brought up Betty Murphy, you know, doing that period. Uh, there's still no explanation for Norbit. So that's a whole other conversation. But everybody has their Norbit too, right? We were just, you just went through a whole bottom five, basically, uh, of Farrell too, like these big disappointments uh, within his career. And I don't know if we're going to see another person like him, you know, like Farley would have been an interesting comp if Farley kept going, but even Farley for how short his career was started to have that, you know, little of a backslide before he passed away. So you never know where that could have gone. Um, you know, but hey, Beverly everybody... Hills Ninja was a classic. Hey, but like what, what is it? Yeah. Almost heroes or what? Almost Heroes. Yeah, Almost Heroes. I like that movie, too. Oh, okay. All right. I don't love it, but I'll watch it. I'm sorry. Shane's mic is cutting out. Hold on. Let me uh, see what's going on. The only scene I remember from that movie is when he kept going to the eagle's nest to try to grab the egg, and the eagle just (laughs) came over every time he went to go get the egg. Jesus. Eh, Whatever. Jesus. But listen, like everybody has it. Like, you know, uh, Steve Martin's like considered a comedy god, but like, you know, nobody thinks about some of the terrible films that he did, you know, especially in the like late 90s or like the Pink Panther movie. Who gives a shit? You know, like there's a whole oh God. treasure trove. That was tough. Of bad movies. Uh, you know, the one he did with uh, Queen Latifah. What was that? Br- bringing down the house. Oh, oh God. Down the house. I, oh, I just. <laughs> I still say, who that? Who there? Yeah. (laughs) But everybody has those. And so I don't want to make this about Will Ferrell's misses or where he's going, but the man still entertains me to this day. And right up there with, you know, Sandler is a great comp because, I mean, I I literally, uh, I was, we were discussing before we got on, like my love for Star Wars, like the original trilogy stuff and all the Funkos I have and everything. Another Funko pair I'm staring right at are my ones from Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore that I just bought that I'm tremendously happy with. 
Um, and that, and if you talk about his run from Billy Madison through, say, Wedding Singer, is easily that same 03 to 06 run for Farrell. It's that same. Everybody has that three or four year height where you're the biggest thing in comedy and then it goes right back down. I mean, what do you guys think? And I'll, I'll maybe kind of end on this, but, you know, where do you see studio comedies right now? Because as a person who's a stand-up comic and I love comedies and we grew up with a lot of these stars. And if, and if I'm saying, you know, Farrell, you know, hasn't made a great movie since 2010 and, you know, Adam Sandler hasn't made a great comedy probably since, oof, uh, the wedding singer. Maybe Wedding Singer, yeah, is his last great one, I'd say. There's some good ones since, but not many. Um, grown-ups. The first grown-ups, I'll say, was probably his, his last good. Yeah. And the Zohan. I know everybody's on the Zohan train, just like I am, so there's that. Um, but <laughs> but Joe Apatow so, film. I know. Uh, he produced everything. Um, but yeah, so do you see a lot of comedic stars right now? Like you mentioned Kevin Hart kind of being that like, you know, get Hart. I never was huge into Kevin Hart as a movie star. He, as a comedian, he's funny. Um, but even still, I was, I'm okay on him. Um, I think he's a great presence. He's a great like host. I wish he actually ended up hosting the Oscars. Me too. I know that got all, you know, muddled and, and, you know, whether right or wrong or whatever, but I think he still could have been good in that role. But, you know, I don't know who's a studio big-time draw right now. I mean, like you said, Ryan Reynolds is kind of there, but it's not. Like, it's right. kind of like action comedy, and it's really more like just repeating Deadpool over and over a little bit. Like, it's that right. same character kind of throughout. Six yeah. Underground, for how much I, I enjoyed it on some level, I don't think I enjoyed it because of it being Ryan Reynolds, I enjoyed it because it's wild Michael Bay shit that I could just, you know, kind of shut my brain off a little. I hate saying that as a critic. I yeah. never like saying that, yeah. but it's kind of the yeah. classic example of like, ooh, pretty lights, you know, <laughs> things exploding. It kind of like got me. So uh, I don't think it's a great movie. It's a mediocre movie even for Michael Bay, but it's definitely watchable because yeah. it's insane. Um, but outside of that, I might, I might also have Netflix Stockholm syndrome guys. I, I don't know too. So <laughs> we got that too, but there's something about the studio comedy thing that's bugging me right now. And does anybody, do you guys have an example of who you think is like a top of their game guy right now? Cause I honestly no, have it. No, they, because uh, I was going to say they, be, there is no one because they use people who aren't comedians who almost uh, play like, you know, serious roles, this and that. Hey, let's throw them into a comedy. Oh my God, they were so good. They were so funny. You know, right. it's it's usually like turn turn their perceptions around. Right. So there there isn't that person. And I think uh, you know the way twenty twenty is. My God, it's it, <laughs> no one wants to take chances with comedy. Everyone's everyone's hurt over every past indiscrepancies uh, and and all that. It's uh, the humor is almost lost. Yeah, like there's no standouts because everyone's problematic somehow. 
Yeah, it, it's it's tough out there. I mean, as a like I said, as a person who's been a stand-up comic myself for 10 years now, uh, it's a tough landscape. I think you can get away with a good amount in the clubs, but obviously with everybody having, you know, phones out and, you know, trying to, you know, film you while you're trying to make something work and, you know, or, you know, trying to take you down, be like catching you in, in the act of being, you know, yeah. uh, this, uh, you know, person who needs to be canceled for some reason. Um, it's tough. It's really tough being a stand-up right now, especially to develop an act. And obviously as a comedic actor, the, the way it used to work was something like Farrell, where you got on SNL, you were a standout. They give you like a Lorne Michaels backed movie. And then, you know, your career starts and, uh, you know, some characters like I'm still watching Seth Rogen films. I think he's the closest, but even still, he's yeah. kind of not fully in the mold of any of these characters that we were saying before. Um, I thought if you want to talk about underrated, I thought, uh, was it the long shot? I'm totally blanking from. Yes. With, uh, Theron. Unbelievable. I I thought it was hilarious. I thought it's amazing. Um, they're trying to make Kumail Nanjiani one of these and I don't fully get the, I, I think he's funny. Uh, but you know, small spurts, right. Very. Yeah. He's a good character actor. Uh, and he was a funny stand-up. I wish he'd actually go back to you know making more specials for that. Um, but I I don't see a person that's gonna carry it right now. And you know uh, Pete Davidson is like the closest thing that they're trying to do. But again, he's doing a lot of dramedies. He's and even King of Staten Island that just came out. That's kind of you know it's a dramedy. It's based on his life. It's got you know dead dad 9-11 overtones and yeah. you know and it's obviously you know the Judd Apatow lens is a little different it's a very much you know kind of a drama with a bunch of comedic scenes versus like something at the heart of like or obviously 40 year old virgin is probably one of the closer like straight up comedies that he has um which you know seemed to be more of the beloved you know beloved stuff that he has in his canon so i don't know i'm not telling the man to go backwards but you know i don't i don't know like it, judd apatow is an entity kind of is the example right now but even still he hasn't had a huge like train wreck was a big hit as far as producing and and getting on that yeah. amy schumer was supposed to be one of these people that they thought might have been a next step up her career's not taken off since train wreck the way it should have been. I mean, she had her own show and everything, but I don't know, guys. I'm spitballing here now. I'm 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 spinning my wheels. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see one for a while. I think Kevin Hart's going to be it for a while. From what I noticed, and I since I was a kid, I always gravitated towards stand-up comedy. It is the mecca of comedy in my eyes. It takes humongous balls to walk out on stage and give a set. So I've, I grew up on stand-up comedy. I still seek out every stand-up comedy on Netflix or wherever I can find it right now. And it seems like all the guys I like are in movies, but they're cameos. Right. Like, like Jim Gaffigan, Tom Segura, yep. Bill, Bill Burr, uh, who is fucking hysterical by the way. Yes. Um, yeah. but yeah. I think as, uh, someone who could translate to carrying a movie, I, I don't see anyone coming down the pike. And it's funny because comedy is ever evolving, as you know. 
like when we were in high school, it was all about the physical comedy. It was so, it was always right. something yeah. about Mary. It was Dumb and Dumber. And then yeah. when the office came along, it was the dry sense of humor, like the very witty sense of humor. And that yeah. seems still to carry till today. So I think physical comedy, for the most part, is kind of dead. So outside of Jim Carrey getting resurrected, I, I, it's Kevin <laughs> Hart, in my opinion. And it's a shame because there's a lot of good stand-ups out there. And there's still some spitting whatever they want to spit out there, like a Bill Burr or a Louis C.K., and I know he's taboo to even bring up today. But there's shows out there, like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who tackle subjects that I don't know how those even episodes even air. Right. <laughs> they still, they're still aired, and they still talk about them. Like, they have an old episode where they all turn black. Right. I don't, right, which we is just hysterical. watched that tonight. Right. It's hysterical. Yeah. I just think studios in this time and age we live in, it's, it's I wouldn't want to be a stand-up right now because like you said, like everyone's video and everything and like everything's taken out of context. But I, I appreciate the comedians who take a stand. Comedy's drawn on a line and you're allowed to put your foot over there as long as you're making a good point. And you don't get those comedians outside of a couple that w- are willing to go over that line. And I think studios just don't want to put them whether they're main men or not, there's there's not a lot out there. So I think Kevin Hart, honestly, is it. I think studios go for the actors who can be funny or have funny personalities like a Ryan Reynolds or a Chris Hemsworth. Like he's shown in Thor Ragnarok can be funny. Right. I think they go that route other than putting stand-ups in like main movies yeah. like Robin Williams, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy. Go down the list like who started in stand-up and made a career in movies. You're not going to see that very often anymore, I don't think. Well, plus, you know, you have to have somebody who can open a movie. I mean, that's why I get excited for Netflix taking a risk at movies like Eurovision just for the fact that, you know, nobody else is going to make that movie. Nobody else is going to go on that journey with him. And again, for all the the faults of the Adam Sandler films on Netflix, too, he wouldn't have a career still if it wasn't for signing that Netflix deal because his movies started to lose money. People weren't backing him, but if people want to still see Adam right. Sandler as a movie star, you have to go see it on a, and, on a streaming platform. And did he just sign a second deal with Netflix? He did, yeah. Yeah, so here we go. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah, he's going to make it. He has like a Halloween movie, I think, maybe coming out. Uh, I think that's next year now. Um, but he's, you know, uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of ideas. Uh, and, you know, obviously Happy Madison keeps producing stuff for Netflix, like The Wrong Misty that just came out is a Happy Madison thing too. Uh, yeah, I thought it was better. It was better than I thought. I thought it'd be. Yes, right. Yes. Yeah, uh, it still got a lot of problems, um, but it's it's it definitely was more watchable. I thought it was going to be one of those classic, like I'd watch it for twenty minutes and go okay, and then turn it off. But I, I made it through. So, <laughs> and Laurel Happy is, is good. Yeah, she makes yeah. that movie go because David Spade just mailed in his performance. It was her that made that movie. And by the way, again, if a, if another person that I thought would have been the Will Ferrell carry through uh, is another person that makes me laugh incredibly hard is Zach Galifianakis. And, you know, Between Two Ferns, the movie on Netflix was garbage. Uh, sorry, Shane, if you oh. were going to let you're giving me the fingers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah, it's great. I, I, thought, like I, thought, I thought the movie part of it was, was garbage. I thought the right. Between Two Ferns stuff is funny. And, yes, you know, so I don't and know. Shane and I were just talking about that too. Yeah, and and because I it reminded me because of Lauren Lapkus, 
so you get a lot of these like kind of improv actors who are trying to be bigger things, which is what Will Ferrell's forte was. A lot of people go through the SNL camp to try to get bigger off that. Now maybe you get an SNL sketch show or you get an HBO sketch show and you get bigger off that. There's a bunch of different avenues, but I don't I don't know where it would say. But Galifianakis was supposed to be that guy. The Hangover movies obviously built him up. I think uh, he's so eccentric, though, and he's really marches to his own beat. If you like, listen to him. Like, I don't. Think oh yeah, it's that mold of like. Have you seen Baskets? Go. It's right, yeah. hilarious. Exactly. And I told Chris like between two ferns. The story for the movie was lacking, but all the interviews intertwined within the movie made it worth watching to me. Yeah, I'd say it's the only thing. I say I laughed harder watching the the credit sequence where it was just back to back to back yes. like interview stuff <laughs> yes. than I did the majority of the movie. Yes. So that's that's what really bugged me about that one. That's why we didn't cover it on the on the show uh, on the pod, but. I think you guys are making the point for me in a way, uh, crystallizing it. TV lets them do more. And I think TV is now the comedy platform uh, if you're not doing stand-up. And and comedy, studio comedies aren't really here right now. I mean, Game Night was kind of a, a, a bigger hit, but I wouldn't yeah. say... You know, that really boosts it. That's Rachel McAdams, too. She's yep. obviously taking swings, doing going back and forth between doing Oscar winning, Best Picture winning Spotlight and then going back and forth with studio comedies. Um, and she's good. Like, nobody to me was really bad in Eurovision. But I think for the, the amount of people that they had who, you know, could have been excellent given the fact that this cast was put together it's kind of uh, jarring that, you know, like Pierce Brosnan's in it for Christ's sake. They don't let him do anything. Uh, yeah. Demi Lovato is actually good <laughs> in this movie for how little they use her. Uh, but that's interesting. Like I said, Graham Norton, uh, uh, Natasha Demetrio, if you watch what we do in the shadows on FX, uh, she's in that. Okay. Um, she plays a small character in this. So there's a lot of people that's like, okay, cool. Doesn't yeah. work. And so I don't know what the magic formula is, but I can't remember in my brain, the last like studio comedy. I really loved. I've drawn a blank yeah. right now. To be honest. I know. Cause I didn't, I truly, I didn't even like buy in hard on game night. And I know that was kind of the one that they were going for. Oh, I, I know, really like that one. I know girls trip. That was like a big studio comedy that made a lot of money. You know, Tiffany Haddish is one of those people that they're trying to make into this bigger star uh, as far as the comedy circuit. They're trying, I think she's, which I think she's a one-trick pony. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. Hopefully, maybe she could do more. Uh, and her stand-up was just okay, too. But again, I think she's mm. one of those people who she wasn't really doing stand-up when they were just like, hey, go do stand up and make more money because you're a big hit right now. And I think that was a mistake a little bit, but you know, when you're a star, you're a star. And as he's on, sorry, was supposed to be a bigger thing. He got, you know, sidelined for a few years because he got canceled sort of. He's still sidelined. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But you know, I still, uh, I, as a person who's a stand up comic who uh, goes to these shows, he sold out two shows in less than a week here in new Haven, like just last year after the canceling so he's still 
alive and kicking in the stand-up world there's still people who support him a lot of people think master of none on netflix was a, a huge step forward for him and still go forward with that so i'm not one of those people i thought it was all right um but you know anyway we could talk this out for days but you guys have been yeah. excellent in in covering it to death and going down the pipeline with me uh and you guys are always great on here uh, if anyone has been living in a cave and hasn't heard you guys uh, previously on the pod or listening to your stuff, uh, go ahead and tell them where to find it. Shane, you can go ahead first. Apparently, you have been living in a cave. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, you can go find me on the <laughs> Apple podcast site, uh, MediaMosh. Go find me on the Twitterverse, at Shane MediaMosh, and the Facebook MediaMosh. Excellent. Thank you, sir. And Chris, where can they find professional. you? <laughs> arguing with myself and this mug yeah i just i i'm actually the the night we're recording this i'm celebrating seven years of blogging nice man of doing nice. arguing with myself congratulations um, thank you uh i have been severely lacking in my writing but uh i've been trying to make up what <laughs> I've been uh, making up for it uh, in uh, uh, funny pictures. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like to be creative somehow, uh, whether it be the written word or uh, promoting, say, shows like Shane or yours, Andrew. Um, I am arguing with myself uh, on Facebook, uh, arguing with on, I think, Instagram, arguing w myself on twitter different platforms for different content um <laughs> as shane says at the end of all of his uh podcasts i appreciate that um yeah just uh trying to trying to put my two cents in where uh, everyone else is uh throwing dollars i don't know <laughs> hey man, you, you've been hitting the podcast circuit though man i heard you on uh pine of comics recently and you know yeah you know, obviously you've been on here a few times recently and, you know, Thank you always you. are number six guy. this time. I was going to say, where are we at? Uh, so we're at six. Nice. So is that I'm you? at the heels of John Amenta. I was about to say, you're like right there. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> um thank you yeah. guys both you're always a blast to talk to and uh obviously you know maybe not in this pod but in real life uh you know or on tour i'd love to hear your guys thoughts on eurovision when it comes out this weekend i can't exactly recommend it as like <laughs> uh, a higher echelon will ferrell movie as we've kind of discussed but there are some funny moments in there and if you want to you know, dive in on something you could do much worse over the weekend. So, you know, check that out and uh, we'll talk about it soon. Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.